Welcome to Night Talk, everyone. I'm Eric Laprete, your host. This is the first official podcast of the Diocese of Toledo, Knights of Columbus. We are absolutely stoked to be here today, and I'm so happy to be bringing this to you. Alongside me is our special guest today, Awakened Catholic CEO or President, or however he likes to say it, Nick De La Torre. Nick, thank you so much for being here today with us. It's my pleasure, Eric. Thank you for having me. And and I think my technical title is King. The King of Awakened Catholic. <laughs> just okay, kidding. we will, we can go with that. We can definitely go with I'm that. I'm just a humble servant, man. Just trying to do my best to be faithful. Amen, brother. We are all trying our best to be faithful servants and earn our way into heaven. At, we're going to start today, um, as we will throughout this entire podcasting series. Uh, with a prayer, and I want to thank my wife, Katie Laprete, for picking this prayer out for us. So we will start in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your plan for people. What a privilege and what a joy to walk alongside others in this life. Thank you for placing us purposefully among other people, God. We trust who you have placed in our lives, and we believe in the community you have set us in, that this is where we are supposed to be. Amen. 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 Father and Son, Holy Spirit. Welcome to, once again, welcome to the Toledo Diocese Knights of Columbus podcast, where we talk about all the ongoings with the Knights of Columbus and the Toledo Diocese. I am your host from River East Mother Teresa Council, 14344, Eric Laprete, and with me today, our very first guest, a very talented brother knight, who is a singer, songwriter, speaker, and awakened Catholic president, and maybe even more importantly, a fantastic husband and father and Christian, member of Holy Trinity and Bowling Green Council, Brother Knight Nicholas De La Torre. I am even more excited to have him here today because he has added yet another title <laughs> to his repertoire as he is now an author. Nick, can you please tell us a little bit about your, your new adventure into the world of literature? Absolutely, Eric and uh, Brother Eric, and thank you so much for having me here today to, to do so. Uh, you know, it's funny, I've actually been working, I've been writing for quite some time, and there's always this this tension because in, in, I'm working on this project behind the scenes for probably around a year and a half, not the one that we're about to publish, but a different one. And in that time, I know I'm an author, I know that I am actively authoring, but you're not really allowed to call yourself an author until you've published a work. <laughs> and so I'm really excited. It, it's amazing how in that year and a half of working on this other book, out of nowhere, God just floods me with this awareness that I need to table that project, come back to it at a, at a later date of his choosing, and and execute on this new project, the one that we are about to publish. And it's really, uh, I felt driven to work on this book because I, you know, we're in the midst of this year of Eucharistic revival. And why do we need a Eucharistic revival? You know, I think into my childhood, at least in my own experience, uh, as far back into history as I have any right to make any uh, claims about, I can't remember a, a period of time where the ubiquitous experience of the Catholic person in the pews was a thriving life and passion about the Eucharist. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't exist. I know that there are people that for decades um, that that have a beautiful and rich life of, of passion and, and prayer, connection, community, uh, communion with the Eucharist, but I also know that that isn't, again, the ubiquitous experience where, where that is what everyone 
uh, how everyone relates to the Eucharist. For so many people, we do what's called the communion waddle. That's what I've dubbed it. The communion waddle where we're, we're in line and we kind of do this waddle as we're walking up into line. We receive in the hand very nonchalantly and then we're back to the pew. And that's the ones that aren't immediately booking it out the doors after they receive communion, not even waiting for the final blessing. And why why is that what we see so rampantly in our churches? It's because we have no idea the gift that is being offered to us. And so I've personally experienced a radical journey of, of transformation in my own understanding of the Eucharist and in my relationship with Christ through the Eucharist. So, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to, so with that experience that you, you, just, you just mentioned, I guess what were, what were life experiences that you've had that led you to, to um, I, I guess, be able to see mm. what's going on, you know, with the how people approach the Eucharist and and what their mindset is going to receive what we ultimately believe is the body of the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Absolutely, yeah. So for me, you know, and everyone's got a different journey. Everyone has different areas of confusion or or lack of catechesis or even wounds in their lives, and and for me, I. Uh, spent time away from faith. So I was a cradle Catholic. Uh, throughout high school, I became a Protestant, and I dabbled a little bit in the occult. And then after high school, I became an agnostic, and I was kind of teetering on the, the fence between agnosticism and atheism. And then later, as I was digging myself uh, a really deep grave, and I realized how dark it was, and I was really reaching kind of the breaking point of the human experience— I realized I needed saving, and so I came running back to Christ, but in in a non-denominational Protestant context. Um, and it wasn't for intellectual reasons. It was because I didn't know where else to go, and that was the situation that God had put me in at that moment. But it was when I started to dive deeper into the, the faith that I was trying to acclimate to, I started running into intellectual challenges because it was difficult to reconcile the words, all of the words of Christ, in the Gospels, with the uh, the landscape of of the different divorces that have happened in our faith family in the body of Christ, um, it was absolutely not His intention for us to be divided the way that we are in all these different denominations. So, I was kind of almost on the brink of losing faith again because I didn't understand where it was that Christ's words could be reconciled. I didn't I didn't see the uniformity and the cohesion uh, that was really, I was, I was born into the gift of Catholicism, but I didn't know what it was, right? And so it was when I discovered accidentally, I was unintentionally presented with the history and the theology of the Catholic Church in a way that everything I was looking for was there all along. So, you know, for me, a conversation about the Eucharist is a conversation about God, uh, because it is God. It's Jesus Christ, blessed be his name. And so for me, when I was wrestling with faith in God at all, that was, of course, a wrestling with a faith in Jesus Christ as God. It was, of course, a a wrestling with the idea of the Eucharist. So one of the things that made a huge impact on me was when I started to dive into sacred scripture and I started learning about what's called biblical typology— where there are things that took place in the Old Testament that have a direct connection that were prefigurements or foreshadowings of things that took place in the New Testament. 
And when I started to see all of these connecting lines, it was so radically powerful for me because, you know, in the writing of the Old, Old and New Testaments, it wasn't like a bunch of guys got together in a room and planned out the story. They didn't get together and, and you know, create uh, brain webs, you know, where they were like thinking of how are we going to make this connect to that thing. And you think about how many hands there were involved in the writing of scripture, all by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It, you can only come to one conclusion when you start to see these connecting lines that were written at totally different times of history by totally different people. And when they all connect to each other so explicitly, you start to see that the only possible solution is that it was God that was behind it. And so for the Eucharist, something that becomes so powerful is when you see the biblical typology that I, I refer in the book to the idea that God is the master poet. And so all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament, you see this poeticism in the way that he's piecing these different uh, signs together, these different foreshadowings. And and when you make the connections, it's it's number one, it's undeniable. And so it invigorates you because when you see this undeniable truth where you can start to believe in the Eucharist, not because some nice old lady that was well-intentioned in your childhood catechesis told you to believe in it, but rather because you see the work of the master poet over the course of human history. That that was so well put, Nick. So if I understand, you know, really to kind of build on what you just said, you, your prerogative, and I, I would assume the prerogative of this book that, that you're putting out here, is that you're sort of kind of showing us the how God put out that that roadmap, yeah. so to speak. That's exactly right. And through that roadmap, we are ultimately going to we're going to find exactly how he is helping us get to that ultimate enlightenment, which is that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and that God is our Father, and that by following this roadmap, we will ultimately get to join him at the end of this life. Is that is that correct? That's exactly right. And in fact, I would take it a step further. It's not just about joining him at the end of this life. What type of joining is that, Right. So what we see, you know, we've heard the terminology, and I'm sure the listeners right now will be familiar having heard this themselves, this terminology that Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. Well, what does that mean? It's not just a, a manner of speaking. It's not just, a, you know, terminology we throw around. It actually means something, and it's founded in Scripture. And so the title of my book, if you consider, again, Christ as the bridegroom and church as the bride, the title of the book is The Eucharist the ultimate love story unveiled. And it's the ultimate love story because it's the ultimate marriage. And so what the Eucharist actually points us to in the context of all of the biblical typology that I lay out in script in, in my book, what it's pointing to is the, the marriage between Christ and his bride. It's, it's this incredibly profound uh, dynamic in our relationship with him that we just so easily graze over. We don't even realize that it's happening in front of us, that it's happening in us. And it's absolutely part, a crucial part of his plan for salvation, his plan for us as individuals, and his plan for us corporately as a human race. Nick, you are very, very eloquent speaker. And I, I mean, <laughs> and you're certainly very knowledgeable about, about your faith and about Catholicism. But I, I do want to ask, in writing this book, has there been anything that you have learned about your own faith mm. and your own path? Wow. That's a really great question. It's interesting because the way that I approached the book, 
is it it really just poured out of me pretty readily. And and why was that? It's because I've been speaking on the Eucharist for years. So whether it's one-on-one with someone in a coffee shop where they're inquiring about the church or whatever, if they're just curious, like, why does the Catholic Church believe this, that this piece of bread is God? That doesn't make any sense. Isn't it just a symbol? You don't really believe that, do you? Sitting one-on-one in a coffee shop all the way to speak, you know, speaking in front of thousands of people in an arena, the exact same principles connect with people because it, it helps them to understand the broader context of 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 the story of the human race, but it's also our story as individuals. And so each of the the passages that I make connections with and and offer reflections on, I specifically not only am I connecting these passages together, I'm also taking each and every single one of them. How does this one passage, even in isolation, what what does it mean for your life? And then when you start to zoom out and you see the connections that I'm drawing between all of them as well, that's when it gets really crazy. But to answer your question, uh, there's a chapter on the crucifixion. And I I kid you not, I was sitting at Easy Street Cafe while I was writing uh, this chapter. And I'm, I'm sitting there typing. And I'm just, you know, the way that I approach this initially is I just kind of allow myself to have a brain dump and I'm just like, you know, a flow of consciousness. I'm just going. And obviously in the editing process, it gets cleaned up, but I'm sitting there at easy street and I'm having this flow of consciousness and I'm just typing. And I, I kid you not, dude, I was weeping as I wrote this chapter on the crucifixion. I'm sitting there in the middle of Easy Street. There were no open booths, no open tables. So I was sitting at the bar with a bunch of people surrounding me <laughs> with my laptop in front of me. I'm drinking a Diet Coke at this bar and I'm like at my laptop typing and I'm weeping. And why was I weeping? Because, you know, where where possible throughout the book, I was integrating my personal stories and, and the connection between my story and the principles that I was teaching on to help other people see how they can do that as well. And in the chapter about the crucifixion, I started, uh, the personal story that I, I brought into that was my wedding day. Oh. And in the, specifically in the context that I was uh, providing that, it was, about, it was about the wedding vows and the consummation of that wedding. And Christ is the unblemished lamb of sacrifice. And he offers his body to us on the cross. The, the, the bridegroom offers his body to his bride on the cross. And his words, it is finished, can be more accurately translated as it is consummated. And that's powerful. The consummation of the marriage between Christ the bridegroom and the church the bride, the consummation, the gift of his body to his bride was on the cross. And he's this unblemished lamb. And as I'm, I'm writing my story into this, I remembered on our wedding day, as I stood at the altar, watching my bride walk towards me, I started getting attacked by the enemy. I started receiving all of these lies because of the brokenness of my past. Nick, you're not good enough for her. Nick, what you're offering her, the gift of yourself that you're making to your wife, to your soon-to-be wife, is gross. Nick, you're not good enough. You're dirty. You're damaged goods. And what's amazing about the power of the sacraments is the, their power, the power of God through the sacraments to obliterate shame. And it didn't take long for in that moment, 
God's grace, the grace that I have received through the sacraments and the grace that I was beginning to receive in the sacrament of this, of this marriage, that grace came to my aid and God illuminated for me that it was the redeemed version of Nick, this new creation, this redeemed Nick, that was the gift that I was offering to Alina on that day. And that's certainly, I, I'm certain, you know, I'm, and, and trust me, as a married man myself, I completely understand that, you know, when we, we walk into that marriage, we want to make sure that we get, we're able to give our wives the best part of ourselves, yeah. and the most holy part of ourselves. Um, so I, I completely understand where you're coming from in that, in that, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted to, to, you, you did hit a, upon something, you know, you, 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 with your own life experiences, how would you, when you see other young men who are struggling with the same things that you did, as far as, you know, you mentioned going between agnostic and atheist, what, if they were to pick up your book tomorrow mm-hmm. and read it, what, what instructions would you have for them mm. when they read that book? So in the, in the, in the introduction chapter, uh, before I get into the meat and potatoes, I explain uh, pretty directly, this is not a proof texting book. So there are countless number of, of proof texting passages throughout the Bible that point to and defend the Catholic belief in the Eucharist. And that's not what my book is doing. My book is not a reference book for defending the idea of the Eucharist. What my book is trying to do is gently and lovingly invite the reader to into understanding the narrative of what God has been trying to reveal to his people and what God is trying to reveal to each of us through the Eucharist and through, again, that biblical, the, the, the overarching story, the poem that he has been writing to woo his bride. So my invitation, and I, and I say the same thing in the introduction, uh, right at the end of the introduction, I say, uh, read this book slowly, take breaks, pause, and reflect, and pray. Because I don't want someone to just rush through it and miss what God might be trying to do in their hearts. It's not a reference book. It's not a textbook. It's, it's about the story of God, Christ, and his bride. And it isn't just us corporately as a bride, but like each one of us, he is trying to woo us. And he was trying to woo me when I was in the deepest, darkest parts of my life. He was always reaching out, but like I had my eyes closed, right? It's like when Peter starts to sink after walking on the water with Christ, he starts to sink because he took his eyes off Christ. And he just, our blessed Lord just reaches reaches his hand down, uh, reaches his hand down to receive Peter and help him up. But Peter had to make the choice to grab his hand, and he couldn't have made that choice without first seeing his hand. So we have to pray that our eyes be opened and that we are willing to take the next step, whatever that means, in reaching up and grabbing his hand so that he can save us. Couldn't have put that any better myself, sir. <laughs> um, Nick, and you know, you're, you, you are a Knight of Columbus member. Uh, sure from, I am. Proud from, to be. From our Bowling Green Council. Yeah. Um, did the Knights of Columbus at all? help inspire the words that you put onto these pages or in your journey to, to finding the words to put on these pages? What I would say is that the Knights of Columbus, um, as a brotherhood, you know, I've been a knight for quite a long time. 
uh, and I it really just in the last year and a half, two years, I've really begun to really identify more in the context of the brotherhood and not just like as a, as a phrase, but like what it really means. I've seen in my experience of, of the Knights of Columbus, a profound uh, sense of community and, and real brotherhood where we show up for each other, where we support each other, where we're ushering each other into truth. Um, and, and I just, you know, I can only speak for the experience that I've had, which is, you know, right here in, in the council in, in Bowling Green. But but my experience of it has been one that they have been there to support me in the challenges. They've been there to support me uh, through my struggles. And I try my best to be present. You know, my life is crazy. But in the midst of that, I do whatever I can to support my brothers. And so, you know, even, even awakened Catholic, the, the, the apostolate that I'm the president of, the Knights of Columbus have been tremendously supportive of the work that we're doing. Uh, they built a stage for us that is a part of our what we're calling awakened theater in the Bowling Green Woodland Mall. Uh, they, they've they've done a lot of things to help us uh, recruiting volunteers, supporting our mission, and so it has been absolutely fundamental the role that the Knights have played in the work that I am trying to do and the work that we are trying to do as an apostolate. And our apostolate is doing a lot of work locally, but we also have a much broader global reach through our digital media. So we put on local events. Uh, I go around and do parish missions within our diocese and outside of our diocese. But like, I really, I, I can say authentically that none of it would be possible without the Knights of Columbus. And and I'm sure if I, I speak for a lot of nights where we, we appreciate the excellent representative you have been of the Knights of Columbus, especially in your mission work. Thank you. Um, well, uh, uh, Nick, you know, I, I, I am going to just, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to wrap this up. So I do have one final question and okay. this, this will be our, this will be our question, uh, going forward to all of our guests. If you could have a conversation with one biblical figure, mm -hmm. sit down with one, any figure in the Bible that you'd want to sit down. Mm. I mean, obviously I think we'd all choose Jesus because I think that Dang would it. be, I was going to say that. <laughs> that, that would, that would probably be, that would clear up a lot of things. Edit that out, Ethan. No, no, no. Don't oh, edit oh, that okay, out. Okay. That, I'm sure. But but uh, our Lord and Savior aside, is there a certain biblical figure that if you had that opportunity to sit down and just, and, and just talk about anything, who would it be and why? So, okay. I'm going to cheat a little bit and say two different names. Okay. Okay. So the first one is, I would say, our Blessed Mother. Uh, why? Because she's my mother. She's my mother. And it's not just some lofty, you know, concept. Like she's, she is actively my mother. She's actively your mother. And I would love to talk to her. I would love to sit with her and I would love to be held in her embrace. Like I would, like we pray when I'm praying over someone, when I'm, when I'm praying with someone, when someone's praying over me, I, I, frequently use the language of being wrapped in her mantle of love and i want that i want to be wrapped in her mantle of love because she is my mother uh, so the second person would be saint joseph why the dude never talks in scripture and i would love to hear what he has to say <laughs> but but even beyond that he played such a humble but profound role in in the gospel even just to be the man who receives our Lord, right? Like 
there's this beautiful painting uh, that was done by uh, one of Christopher West's children. And it's just this painting of, of St. Joseph. It looks like a religious icon. And it's St. Joseph with his arms out uh, in front of him. And, and he's receiving our, our Lord from the womb of, of the Blessed Mother. And he just, yeah, he, he, there, there is so much that I could say about him, but we're, we're going long already. So, Well, Nick, I do want to thank you for joining us here today. How can people get more information about this book? Well, if you visit nickdlt.com, that's N-I-C-K-D-L-T.com, uh, you get any updates that I have going on. Uh, you can also book me to come to your parish or other types of event as a speaker and worship leader. Um, and also you can join the mailing list of the Awakened Catholic mailing list uh, you, right at the bottom of that webpage and you'll get updates about when the book is coming out. Awesome. We look forward to your book, The Eucharist, coming out. Um, do we have a definite date for that yet? Or Not is- yet. So we're waiting for the forward to be written. And then literally once it's written, we'll probably go to print and have like a big release party here at Awaken Catholic. Uh, so we should make sure to get that news around once that party gets scheduled uh, for, the, for the book release. So... Yeah, which which we can more than happily do for you, um, but we do want to appreciate everything you do for the Catholic community at large, and God bless you and your ministry. And uh, with that, we're g- if you want to hang around, we can uh, we can do some council announcements. Okay, let's do it. All right, let's go. So the first one I do want to mention is Council Eleven Three Seventy in Maumee will have uh, pancake breakfast on October 29th at nine a.m. in the school cafeteria at Saint Joseph's Church in Maumee. It's going to be twenty dollars for the entire family, or a goodwill offering will be accepted. And this is going to be for their football czar uh, raffle. Council fourteen five hundred two. Wow, just has a whole lot going on right now. Uh, they will be holding their soccer challenge October first after the nine a.m. mass. They're also going to be doing a night with the knights on October twenty first in Roncalli Hall on the St. John Parish campus after the 5 p.m. Mass. Please come out, enjoy a chili cook-off contest, activities for the kids, a 50-50 drawing with all proceeds benefiting the Catholic Education Scholarship Program. The council is asking everyone to RSVP to this event by October 8th. Please use 23.church to reserve your place. Uh, I just got off the phone with their grand night. Uh, we would all you have to do is go to that site, click on Night with the Knights, and through there you can sh- you can say exactly how you would like to participate. If you're going to be doing the chili cook-off, but please uh, go there and RSVP before October eighth. Make sure you're included in that. And lastly, they will be sponsoring a blood drive on Friday, October twentieth, from eleven to five p.m. That will also be in Roncalli Hall at St. John the Twenty Third Church. Council 7978 in Perrysburg, uh, they will be having a diaper drive starting the weekend of September 23rd for Heartbeat of Toledo and the Pregnancy Center. On October 6th and 7th, they will be selling pick three tickets for support of the seminarians. And then starting the third weekend of October, they will be holding pancake breakfasts to support scholarships to St. Rose schools. Those pancake breakfasts will be in the lower level of St. Rose Church. And finally, they would also like to announce to their members that through their golf outing, they raised $1,700 for Coats for Kids and the Wheelchair Initiative. Now, Nick, I'm going to let you take over because this is your council. 
So you go ahead. All right, sir. Holy Trinity Council in Bowling Green, Council 6373, will be helping with Eucharistic procession guard duty at 9 a.m. at St. Catherine of Siena on October 25th in Toledo. And lastly, we'll be holding their night's night out September 29th at Anthony Reinhardt's house. Please contact Todd Grillo at 419-575-4949. And then uh, to wrap it up, Nick, uh, Council 14344, River East Mother Teresa, and we'll be hosting the Toledo chapter meeting on September 21st. That will be at St. Thomas Aquinas Church in Toledo at 7.30. To remind you of a future event, uh, one that we really want to make sure we get out there, there is a four, live fourth-degree exemplification October 27th through the 28th at the Holiday Inn in Perrysburg. On the 27th, they will be holding their hospitality room. Please come out, meet some of the knights, have some refreshments, enjoy yourself, and then the actual ceremony will be on October 28th. We would always like to remind you that if you have a council event upcoming and would like us to mention it on the podcast, please email Toledo Knights of Columbus at gmail.com or please message our Facebook group, Knights of Columbus Official Toledo Diocese page. And it's just like that. Um, Nick, once again, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here today. Um, you are doing such great work in the community and for just, I mean, basically Catholicism on a whole in the Toledo area. Um, it's a pleasure to know you. And, and I'm so glad that, that God put each other, put us in each other's paths. Um, and it really kind of goes back to that opening prayer that we said, where we, we thank God for putting each other in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I certainly am very thankful that God had my path cross with yours. Um, we are going to be closing with a prayer. It's one of my favorites, um, and it is the prayer of St. Michael, the Archangel. It's a good one. And we will uh, begin with the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. St. Michael, the Archangel. Defend, defend us in battle. battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude our first ever podcast. I appreciate you listening. I pray God blesses you. And until then, viva Jesus.